Hello and welcome to Lexitecture, a podcast about word origins and histories. My name is Ryan, and in each episode my friend Amy and I bring a new pair of words to share their stories with each other and you. You can find our past episodes and the occasional blog post on our website at lexitecture.com, follow along with us on Twitter and Facebook at Lexitecture, and if you really like what we do, you can support the show at patreon.com slash lexitecture. Today's episode, Listener Word Stravaganza. Hi, everybody. Just before we get started, a quick announcement about what you're about to hear. Uh, For those of you who tune in only to hear Amy's delightful Scottish brogue and interesting contributions and generally lovable personality, I have bad news. You're stuck with me today. Uh, Life happened, as it sometimes does, and that meant that we couldn't do a transatlantic recording session this time around. So Amy sends her regards and her regrets and I will try to pick up the slack. Uh, If you tune in for this show to hear me specifically, uh, hi, mom and dad. I think that probably maybe covers it. Um, We decided to do something a little different this week because we were already doing something different in that it's just me. And so I put out a call on our various social media channels. If you don't follow us on Twitter or Facebook or the algorithms thereof didn't let you see it, then I apologize if we missed you, but you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Lexitecture. Uh, Just asking people if they had any nagging etymological questions that they were curious enough about to still be wondering about, but maybe hadn't been able to find some data on, or just you get to that level of curiosity where you really want to know something, but you don't actually want to know bad enough to look it up. But it's the kind of thing where you're like every now and then it bubbles up to the surface of your brain and you go, yeah, I'd really like to know what that's all about. So anyway, I asked our listeners in various capacities for their suggestions and uh, came up with a bunch. So I'm going to tackle those. And so it'll be that kind of show today. We're going to do a few words, maybe a little less in depth and obviously a lot less conversational because it's just me talking to you. But here we go. So our first suggestion, uh, I'm going to go through our Facebook respondents. So we had a uh, request from Erin Bell over on the Facebook page. She was wondering about the roots of the word rigorous. And so rigorous uh, is just an adjective describing something that demands a lot of effort or has very high standards or a set of rules that is both difficult and important to follow, that sort of thing. So rigorous just means, you know, with lots of effort and stuff. Like a lot of adjectives, this one comes from its related noun, which is rigor, R-I-G-O-R, or R-I-G-O-U-R, depending on which side of the pond you're on. And that, in turn, comes from an old French word. Spelled the same way, uh, it just means strength or hardness. And this later became the modern French rigueur, R-I-G-E-U-R. And ultimately, before French, it comes from Latin, rigere, which means to be stiff. And it's from a pie root, meaning stretch or be stretched or stiff. And this pie root, uh, which essentially um, is sort of forms the R-I-G in a lot of words, and including this one, is also gives us words like rigid and reach. And so those are the origins of that. So rigid, reach, and rigorous are all uh, related. They're all various places on the same family tree. So that's rigorous. Um, next up... We have a request from Annie Chastain on Facebook who suggested vociferous, 
as a thing to look into. I like this word a lot. It's just something to pepper in language. It's not something a lot of people know necessarily. It's not a super popular word, I don't think. So vociferous is someone who is extremely impassioned or generally noisy about something. So if you have a vociferous opponent or supporter, uh, not that we'd have any of those in the, at least in North America with the uh, election season close impending in Canada and the long election season trudging along in the States, you get vociferous supporters and decriers of various candidates or issues or topics. Someone who's really outspoken, uh, vigorously outspoken about something. And so the outspoken usage and definition is, is probably the best one for vociferous because the word comes from, ultimately from the Latin word vox or vox, depending on how finicky your language, your Latin professor was in school. And vox simply means voice. So there's a story about Bono from U2. It, I guess gangs in Ireland were different, or his gang was different from gangs that other people think of, but apparently the story with his name is that Bono Vox is the full thing. That's what people knew him as because he had a good voice. That's neither here nor there, and apologies if you hate U2. Actually, no. Well, we can talk about that. I don't mind U2, but I get why people find them sort of grating at times. Anyway, that's... Leaving that alone. Um, and so vox means voice. And it's combined with the Latin word ferre, F-E-R-R-E. So you get the vos in vociferous, and then the ferre is ferrous. Uh, not ferrous as in iron or related to iron. Um, ferre is a Latin verb meaning to carry. And so you can see that kind of something that your voice carries or carrying your voice or making sure that you are proclaiming and lugging around your opinions all over the place. You are vociferous. Uh, vox, before Latin, comes from a pi root meaning to speak. And this is the pi root that gives us words like vocabulary, advocate, and words like invoke, provoke, revoke, those things. Anything with a vocal, uh, those sort of VOC words that have to do with speaking or using your voice those all come from the same root, which is where we get vociferous. So V-O-C-I-F-E-R-O-U-S is the spelling of vociferous. Another one of our listeners uh, got in touch with us. Now, I apologize to Ann Young for leaving this this long because I do recall vaguely an email coming in where she brought this up and I thought, that sounds neat, I should look into that. And then I promptly did not. So she very graciously didn't bring up the fact that I had ignored her email and didn't respond properly when she suggested this on our Facebook page in one of the comments to the post asking for contributions. And she was asking about any possible connection between faux and phony. So faux, F-A-U-X, as in faux-fur or whatever. And phony, P-H-O-N-Y or P-H-O-N-E-Y, depending on what source you're looking at. Um, and just sort of was wondering if those were connected at all. They, they sort of mean the same thing and they sound the same and the F to PH change wouldn't be unheard of. And so maybe they are related. Who knows? Well, you're about to. So I looked it up as I am wont to do. And faux, basically it's as most things with A-U-X or those type of formations uh, is a French word. 
it's not even borrowed, it's not even adapted, it's just a straight French. English said yoink and took it from the French. I mean, I guess the French showed up in England and dropped it off, but potato, potato. So faux is a French word uh, that simply means false. And it dates back in English use to like the 12th century. It's a very, very old word. So it's been around for forever. Um, And even in the sort of more quote unquote modern usage of it, where you use it as a prefix to add on to the thing that you feel has been falsified. So like faux for example, that I mentioned earlier, that type of usage has been around since 1676, at least. And it's the written, earliest written attestation of it. So it's very old. It's been hundreds of years. Incidentally, false ultimately comes from a Latin verb, falere, which means to deceive or disappoint. So there you go. Little bonus thing thrown in there. So faux from French for false in uses like faux for since... 1676, just for fans of alliteration. Phony, on the other hand, is much newer. So phony dates back in writing to the end of the 1800s. Both Edim Online and the OED basically say that it's a variation on phony, F-A-W-N-E-Y. So I thought, okay, well, that's not really helpful because I don't know what phony means. I originally thought maybe it was something kind of frail and fragile, thinking like a fawn, like a young deer, and they're typically a little bit timid and falling over looking. Falling over looking? Whatever. I do a show about words. So fawny actually comes from slang, like underworld slang. We're getting into a lot of this these days, like we can't sort of vocabulary languages. Um, and it was slang for a cheap finger ring, a cheap ring for your fingers. And it generally carried the connotation of being cheap or like a knockoff of some kind. So it'd be sold as like, yes, this is ruby when it's just red glass type of thing. And so this happened enough that a fawny, which as far as I can tell, originally might have just meant a ring, just another word for a ring. I'm not sure where else it came from. It just everything said unknown origin before this. But eventually its association with fakeness and with being a knockoff was so strong that it just beca- it just came to mean something that is not what it is being billed as, you know, something that you're you're being sold the bill of goods and it's not right. The snake oil merchandise stuff was phony, and so that, by everyone's best guess, is where we get phony. So you can always see phony, phony. I love finding these things, these sort of false friends, as they're sort of called. I think false friends has a slightly different meaning, but I'm going to use it anyway, because that's how words work. But words that must be related in some way, they sound the same, they mean kind of the same thing, but they're actually not. They're just totally different. Another one that came up by email, and I have forgotten the guy's name who sent the email, and I apologize for that, because I do genuinely really enjoy getting emails. It still kind of gives me a bit of a buzz that we have listeners who are engaged enough to sit down and write something out to us, which is fantastic. But after uh, Amy's exposition on the word fake. This gentleman was bringing up the Arabic origined fakir. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but F-A-K-I-R or F-A-Q-I-R, depending on the transliteration, um, generally meaning like a, a traveling mystic or holy man or, or shuckster, depending on who you're talking to. But actually, that's another example of uh, of a false friend. I, I looked into it. I was trying to find the connection between fake and fakir, but 
the timelines just don't really add up. Like the adjective fake predates the verb, which predates the noun. So something could be fake and then you could fake something and then you could be a faker for faking that thing. But all of that stuff happens in a separate timeline from this Arabic influx. And there's, there's confusion later on as the words became kind of conflated sort of, but they don't appear to have any kind of direct lineage between them. So fake and fakir are, are also false friends. So a bunch of different stuff happening there, which is kind of cool. On to Twitter. Now, first, uh, just before we get into this word, which I love, um, when I went back to try to compile a list of things from our listeners and suggestions and requests, I know that there was someone who gave a, a couple of really interesting words and I kind of, I didn't jot them down, which I should have, but I thought, well, the, the tweets are there, the replies are there, I'm going to go back and get it. But something must have happened, they must have been deleted, maybe someone has an auto-delete thing on their tweets, which is not a bad idea to have something to tidy up your sort of proverbial paper trail. But uh, as a result, I, I know they were there and I, I could not find them. So if you responded to me over Twitter at Lexitecture and gave a couple of examples for this very episode and I'm not addressing them, please do get in touch again because I like this idea. I like the kind of interactive element of this. I like getting some ideas from listeners and being able to tick a couple of things off of people's etymological bucket lists. So please do get back in touch and let me know what your words were and then I will look them up and we'll endeavor to address them at some future date. Right. Housekeeping aside, we had a suggestion from Twitter user at Max Pinton, and he was asking about the word lake, but in a very specific context and one that I hadn't actually come across before. So it's, he had, his tweet had included a nutritional label. I'm going to go ahead and guess that this is some sort of chocolate covered peanut candy based on the ingredients and nutritional data, but I'd be interested. That'd be a fun little game to see if we can guess what this label was from. So you can find it on our Twitter feed and our replies. But in the list of food ingredients of this, I'm going to assume candy, there was coloring. And then it listed the specific colors and it involved the word lake. So you had colors like blue, number one lake, red 40 lake, those kind of things. And I just had never seen that usage of the word lake before and neither had Max, and he was just really, he was curious about that. So I did some digging, and thankfully the OED knows more words than me. Whew. It has it as the sixth noun usage of the word lake. I didn't look at one through five. I assumed one of them just meant a big hole with water in it, but uh, I don't know what the other ones will be, and I'm going to look into those as well at some point. But the sixth usage of lake has three definitions in the OED, and from oldest to newest, and they're not new by any stretch, all of them are from at least the early as the 1600s, Number one, we have a pigment of a reddish hue originally obtained from LAC, L-A-C. Uh, then the second one is transferred uh, as the name of a color. And then finally, in extended senses, a pigment obtained by the combination of animal, vegetable, or coal tar coloring matter with some metallic oxide or earth, often preceded by some qualifying word as crimson, florence, green, matter, yellow, etc. lake. And so it's obviously quite old. It is pretty esoteric still, but it's quite old, very much established in the lexicon. So the word, that word lack, so getting into the actual etymology of this and how this came about, that first definition where it said originally obtained from lack, that word lack, L-A-C, 
the first definition of lac in the OED is, quote, a dark red resinous substance produced as a protective coating by certain scale insects, especially Caria laca, and found as an incrustation on the twigs and branches of infested trees. And so I don't know where these insects live in the world. I have a feeling that I've seen this stuff and just not known what it was, but maybe I, maybe I haven't. I'm just imagining something different. But it was some sort of goo left on trees by insects that were infesting these trees. This is also where we get the word shellac. And there's a bit of a circuitous route where we can get to the word lacquer from this as well as an early kind of early derivation. So lac was the gunk left on trees by certain insects that happened to be good for use as a dye, a foundation for dyes and colorants. And then it became lake. And then because it was so associated with coloring, particularly this this one reddish kind of pigment, it gen- then broadened out as these things tend to do. It meant sort of any color. And now we get it in the packages for M&Ms and Smarties as Red 40 Lake. So that's why lake means color in this stuff. And so that was a fantastic suggestion. I really enjoyed looking into that. So thank you to uh, to Max and to Annie and Anne and everyone and Aaron, um, everybody who sent in re- responses. I wasn't sure what kind of response we would get, uh, but we just passed 1,000 Twitter followers and we've got a growing word nerd family on Facebook and other places as well. So it was a lot of fun to get people's contributions and to be able to address them and look into them. And I learned some new words and stuff. So that's it for me today. Shorter episode because it's just the one of me, but hopefully you guys enjoyed something. Uh, if you have more things that you kind of thought, oh man, I wish I knew known about that. Feel free to drop us a line, send us an email, words at lexitecture.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Lexitecture. I am, I think, probably too old for Instagram, but I'm trying. And an Instagram podcast thing also is weird to me, but we have an Instagram account. So it's Lexitecture Podcast. If you enjoy that medium more and you want to come and say hello there and leave a comment there with something that you've had nagging you for a while. And uh, other than that, that's it for me. Thank you so much. We will hopefully be back to our regular scheduled conversational transatlantic episodes in the future. But until then, have a safe couple of weeks. Take care of yourselves and we will talk to you again soon. Bye. And that's it for another episode of Lexitecture. To get in touch with us about something you heard this episode, you can email us at words at lexitecture.com. You can also follow along and talk to us at Lexitecture on Facebook and Twitter and at Lexitecture Podcast on Instagram. For back episodes and the occasional blog post, visit us at lexitecture.com. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.